So uh, my wife and I, uh, a couple weeks ago, we were, a few weeks ago, it was, uh, we, were, we were flying a good bit, and uh, like a lot more than we anticipated. So we're taking off, you know, we're getting up through, through the clouds and getting up into the air, and sometimes it was daytime. It's amazing how the sun is always shining, if you didn't know that. Just got to get above the clouds sometimes. And uh, it's really beautiful at night. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's beautiful flying. It's always, it's always more fun when you land. You know, you, you finally get, get where you're at. One of the long trips we had, though, uh, was down to Venezuela. Brother Dave, I think when I went down there a number of years ago, and, and we were in the, uh, when we flew down, again, you know, a lot of different flights got down to, uh, they called PA, uh, and then we ended up flying right into the Amazon. And that was really cool because we're going through all these clouds and you couldn't see a thing. And there's mountains, you know, and you're just like, I hope this guy got a real good grade in the instrument flying. So we're trusting in this guy to get us there. But we finally got there. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful being able to see uh, see folks and missionaries and, and to meet people. So one night, though, I had it. We didn't go out at night a lot. Like big predators, so uh, and there's no protection. You know, you don't have your 45 on your side or anything. So you're there with with nothing uh, to protect yourself. And at night, I just got done preaching, and uh, Dave and I were walking across uh, to to where we were staying, and it was the first time I ever experienced this. Because we're you got to remember we're right in the kind of middle of South America. We're there, and we stopped and we started looking up. And there's no street lights. There's no lights anywhere. The lighting was basically candles, if that. And I've never been in such pitch darkness at night outside. And we stopped and we looked up. And like nowhere else I've ever been, you could see the stars. And you could see the depth. You could see, and I was like, wow. And we just stood there. And then see planes, you're in the middle of nowhere, you know what I mean? It wasn't like somebody going across that, you know, it, 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 at least at, at that time on our horizon, we could see, and it was just, you're stopping and looking, and you're like, wow. It's just like when you're up in a plane, and you're looking down, you feel small, all of a sudden. And I was flying home with Lori, and, uh, and I said, you know, we've been, you know, different states and different places, and here we are flying back and going over hundreds and hundreds of miles and, and cities and homes, and we got one little spot on the earth that we call home, just a little dot. And then when you start to pull back, you realize, not only is that little house of ours a little dot, you pull back and you start realizing this earth compared to the universe, it's just a little spot. And you can keep going back to it from our galaxy and on, and you realize it is indescribable. Uh, if you've not watched that, that's been how many years ago, Mike? A lot of years, 15, whatever years ago, indescribable. Did a good job of trying to help people realize how big it is. And we can't see the end of it all. And man will say it just blew up into existence. And to, to even think you're intelligent by saying that 
is to deny truth, to design, to de- deny design and function. And we think of the psalm we're going to look at, and we stop and say, Oh Lord, our Lord, my Lord, how excellent, how majestic is your name. And then he begins to talk about man, and, and he talks about his creation. And we start looking at why did God make all of this? Why would God even consider you and I? Why are we so important? When you look at the vastness of all of the creation, all that is happening, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Why are we so important of all of God's creation? And I love you know watching these shows that so, you know, way back in the jungle or in the ocean, and they find these little creatures that you just wouldn't see normally in Indiana fields or in the, you know, in the woods. I mean, there is so much out there, what we can see with our eyes, and even the things that are microscopic, and yet God knows everything. Everything that He created, He knows. And He had a purpose and a plan for it all. The original creation was done that there would be no death. There wouldn't be the sorrows. There wouldn't be conflict amongst people. All of this was perfect. And then man comes along and we messed the whole thing up and brought this curse and sin into this world when we feel it, when we sense it. And even as creation groans, waiting for the redemption, waiting for there to be a change one day. As we talk about this, God says, this what we know, heaven and earth, one day is going to pass away. But not one word of God's word, not one prophecy will be unfulfilled. Everything will be completed all according to the entire word of God. As all those prophecies about Jesus came true, the prophecies of our future are true, and we stop here in this day, and we stop and say, wow. Let me get into the message. We're going to go to the Psalms, and we're going to go to the 8th chapter, probably familiar to many in the, in the room today and those that might be listening, and we will read the entire Psalm. Once you have found that, please stand, if you would, out of respect of God's Word. Psalm chapter 8. Just nine verses here. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent or majestic is Thy name in all the earth, who has set Thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and suckles hast Thou ordained strength because of Thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained or established the same place, what is man? Which is that regard? Who am I? That thou art mindful of him, and the son of man, that thou visitest him. Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under him. 
Oh, sheep and oxen, yea, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. You'll notice the estimation point at the end of that. This is something that's cried out. Father, help us as we look at your word. Help me as I share some truths. May there be a blessing to us all. Spirit of God, teach us. May we be aware of you, aware of what you want us to learn. And Lord, we understand because of the rest of your word, why us? Why you consider us? Why you remember us? Thank you for your love. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The latter part, I'm not going to spend a lot of time with. Uh, we have pretty much discussed in earlier weeks about our position as human beings on this earth. That we are, as an original creation, to have dominion over the works. So and we govern the things that are around us. And we do need to be smart with how we manage things as, as people. I recycle. I do. I put the glasses over here because they want me to do that so they can reuse it. I think it's a smart idea. And uh, I tried to do it. I used to work for a, uh, a company that did perk tests for septic systems. That's a great job. Especially Pennsylvania. You go out there, the total diggers, you know, and you go three inches and boom, you hit these big rocks, you know, you got to get the, we call them digging iron, big, big metals. Thing and just get in there and get them out. You have to go down so far, and then you put the tube down there and a little little stick and it has a little you know uh, styrofoam on it, and you pour water in there, and then you wait. You find it, and depending on how that water goes down, is going to explain whether your septic would ever work there or not. So that's what I did. It was great because uh, it was the first trip, so I got to study for that 20, 25 minutes in the mountains or wherever I was at for the next Sunday. And uh, so it worked, worked out really good. And the guy that ran the company, he said it was hilarious. He would go around and say, uh, people would come up and he said, they have offered me everything from stereos to money for anything. Just make the perk test pass. And, and the thing is, you think, why would the guy want that? He said, because it's going to cost me more for the sand mound, or that I might not even be able to use it properly. Do you understand what a septic system does? Do you understand what does a filter goes into your drinking water? This is like a really good system, but we get mad at government. We get mad at regulations and everything. A lot of times, we're trying to manage what we got here. It's not a bad thing. We're called as Christians to do that. We do want to take care of things. When they sow, that's how they also reap. You put junk into the ground, that's what's going to be then produced. Okay? We, we we're supposed to be smart with all of that. I know there's extremes to that, uh, the three huggers and everything. I'm not, not one of them. And so we, we got all that. I, I understand that it's got in the woods. We're doing some protests. This guy's going through the, the, through the woods, jumping over logs and running over to us because we had to clear the area with, uh, with, with, the, with some, uh, some trees. And we're dropping, cutting up and everything. And the guy's running through the woods and he's screaming at the top of his lungs. We could hear him over the chainsaw. Ray! I'm like, 
Where is she? Don't beat this guy up, man. We'll take care of him, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm like, where, where, where? He came to me. You're raping the woods. I'm like, that's Bobby. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, you're destroying all the forests and, and it, it just turns us horrible people. I finally got to stop and make an awesome question. Where do you live? He told me where he lived. I said, what's your house made of? No, but that was already done. Isn't that a bit of hypocrisy? It looks like that dead, but it's already came down to build a house. You know? So I finally said, you know, listen, you know, uh, I, I apologize for his way up. I, you know what? I'm going to see if I can talk to him about the Lord. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and he's uh, all of a sudden sort of get really mad at me and sort of ripping me and cussing me out and everything on his way out. And uh, he yells back, Happy Karma! And I said, Jesus saves! And he kept on going. He thought it would come back on my head, you know. Anyways, so I'm not one of those. But we do need to take care of the earth. No doubt about that. In verse number one, we're getting into the scripture now. Let me teach you a little bit. It's interesting, again, how words come alive as you begin to read this. Oh, Lord, our Lord. I love how the, the words that God chose to put in here about himself. The first Lord, you'll notice is all caps. The second, only the first letter. So the first word is Jehovah, if we would say it. Oh Lord, Jehovah, you're the self-existing one. He didn't need someone to create him, he did create her. Uh, now this is easy, I know all this. You have to this day and age, I have to stop and explain this. Because even in Christianity, there's a lot of people confused with who God is. He is the only one that has always been. He's eternal. He's always existed in all power and might. He's eternal past. He's never changing. He is immutable. He will never change back, eternity, forward, eternity. He's always the same. Jehovah. And, and when he created all things, from the word of his mouth, the moon and stars, the designed as the artist with his fingers, he did not weaken a bit. Even though he was giving energies to create, God didn't become weaker, nor did he become greater. He's always the same. Jehovah, God, the self-existing one, all-powerful God, you are our, on this earth, Lord. So now we have the other word um, that talks about God being the master or the Lord. So he is the self-existing one, all-powerful, mighty God, who we yield to. Because he is our master. He is our boss. And so these names that God gives for himself help us to understand who he is and, and his character. And then it goes on and says in verse number one, who has set thy glory, speaking of God, Thy glory above the heavens, or that atmosphere, everything that we will be able to see. So, if we can put it this way, if we can imagine, um, and this is a good thing to talk about, 
because that Christian is you know, asking about the heavens, the levels, if you will. Uh, Paul talked about being taken up into the third, right? Heaven. So it's like, where's number three at? You know, and where's number one and two at? So we would think of this atmosphere uh, that we have right now around us, we uh, live in, will be one. And then we have the universe, all that is out there, too. And then where God is at is beyond that. A place that you can't get there from here without Him. You can't get the rocket ship and find and bump into heaven. You follow me? It's beyond what man is trying to use to see what's the extent of the universe. And he realizes when we talk about this, there is no. You can't find the end of it all. And yet God, in His glory, is beyond that yet. So it is so God is here, the next, if you will, universe that we can see, and then we have our atmosphere, and it is that thought that God is over all. He's above. He said His glory, where He is, above these heavens that we know of. He is beyond that. That represents that He is over, He is king, and He is master, and He is in control. There's a lot in their philosophies about who God is. Feel that God is, well, He created everything, He got the whole ball rolling, and now He separated Himself from all of creation and is no longer active. So it's our responsibility to make everything what we are, and everything just keeps changing and evolving down here. Well, we don't see that. We believe that God is interactive with His creation. Not just the earth, but every human being. You. The God who is way up there knows you. When we prayed together earlier, God who is way up there heard our prayer just like He did from those who are on the opposite side of the earth right now, praying. And he hears all of them at once. Guys, we can't listen to two people at one time. And yet God is not only hearing, He knows everything. God is amazing. So, the his glory is above the heavens which we see. You are beyond looking down at the heavens that we can see. You're above it all. You walk, look through the sun, the moon, the stars, the shine to us. You are beyond that. You are above that even. So when we see the sky, we understand, Lord, your glory is beyond that. And yet this whole principle of the glory of God, he said, he said it above us. And so Christ, the light of the universe, is shining down upon this earth that he has created. You see, his creation shows his design to know himself. I'll repeat that. His creation shows his design in order to show himself. God is trying his best to get the, the attention of the world to help them to realize he is. He is all-powerful, almighty God. Verse number two, 
I'm going to be honest with you, I've heard pastors refer to this, but I don't know if I've ever had anybody explain the verse, uh, at least, at least the, maybe they did and I wasn't listening. And that happens sometimes when you're there, you're, you're, you're dazing off and your stomach's growling and you're drifting or falling asleep. You know, and I get that. I've been there too. But this is a really powerful verse. A really powerful verse. Look with me, verse number two. I'm going to take a little time to explain this as best as I can. And uh, not all these thoughts are my own, but uh, we're going we're to try to explain as many great, great men of the Word have seen this. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, those that, in other words, haven't been yet weaned, Hast thou ordained strength? Now he says, because of thine enemies. What do you have to do with anything in this text? That thou mayest still, in other words, cause to be silent. You have nothing else to say, enemy. You're still the enemy and those who would avenge. So he stops the mouth of the enemy. And he goes into this out of the mouth of these little babes and those who have not yet been weaned, thou hast ordained strength. You've set up an order of strength. You probably know this, maybe not, but this is actually quoted by Jesus. Just this verse. So if Jesus uses this verse, Maybe we can learn something about the meaning of this from where and when Jesus used this. So, you awake yet? Okay, I'm going to try to be real timely for you today. Look with me to the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter number 21. We're going to stay in Matthew uh, for the next couple of points. Matthew 21, and starting in verse number 14. Jesus has come to Jerusalem, so the triumphal entry has taken place. And many of you know, one of the very first things Jesus did was not just heal people, but he cleansed the temple. So he's taking care of business. So you want me to be your king? You're crying out, save us, Hosanna and all that? Okay, let me take care of business. You really want me to be your king? I'm going to start right in the temple. I'm going to clean things up because you all do it wrong. So, verse 14. So then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes, okay, are they the good guys or are they the bad guys? Okay, so are they the good guys or are they the enemy? So, you see it? Verse 15, I'll read it again. When the chief priest and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did. Now stop. To whom? The lame and the blind. Could the lame and the blind help themselves? Just like a little baby. Just like a little child that can't feed itself, can't take care of itself. It needs the strength to come from the other. So these are looked at by them, the Pharisees, as, 
leave them alone. They're unworthy of the lame, the blind. They did something sinful, and that's why this has happened to them. That was the philosophy. The good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. They were bad. That's why they're lame. That's why they're crippled. That's why the blind, the really bad people. And yet Jesus looked at the infirmity. They looked at these problems and he says, I have love. I will love mercy if we're talking about Sunday school. I'm going to love them and I'm going to give pity to them. And I'm going to heal them. And I'm going to restore them. So, verse number 15. When the chief priest describes all the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. They were so afraid. Meaning, they were really mad. Why? Because they didn't want Jesus to get the praise. They wanted him to get the honor. They wanted it for themselves. Verse 16. Jesus now said unto them, Here's thou with I'm sorry, they said unto him, unto Jesus, apologize, Hearest thou what these say? In other words, save us. You're the son of David. That is Messiah terms. And Jesus said unto them, Have you never read? Oh, let's go back to the Bible. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. So now when we start looking at that psalm, and we tie it together with what Jesus explained, you'll see that the Psalm 8 is a prophecy about the Messiah and His coming. That there was going to be praise from the young ones, from those that are weak, those that couldn't help themselves. God was going to help and heal and bring hope to them because I guarantee you the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religion of that day was giving anything but hope. And the sad thing is, that's what religions of the day do. They only give laws of do's and don'ts. They don't get any explanation of hope and freedom. Freedom from sin. Well, if you do this and this, maybe you'll be good enough to get into heaven. We're hoping they're in that. There's no hope. Oh, they're going to make it. And yet God says, but these things have I written unto you that believe. And they know that you have eternal life. Yay! So, we have the religious bad people, the enemy, who are after God. Literally, they're attacking Jesus. They're trying to minimize what the Son of God is doing. They're the bad guys. They're the enemy of God and what God is doing in the hills. How could they deny? How could they deny the miracles? They just saw a man that couldn't get up, jump up, and walk. A blind person they knew was blind. He didn't fake it. It wasn't these wacko churches, you know. Let's, let's, let's stir up a little faith in them and, and we'll get this person and they say that they're healed. These are ritual healings. How could they deny it? And yet they did. And they hated God. And they hated mercy. And they hated love. And they hated the Messiah. When you look back, and I'm going to read, you're, you're still in Matthew. I'm going to read this again. Out of the mouth of babes, the weak, the sufferings, those that have no strength, hast thou ordained strength. So God gives them that 
for his power, abilities. Because of thy enemies. In other words, why did Jesus do the miracles on earth? To shut up the bad guys. And it is still hating them. Sadly, the world sees creation. They see the majesty, the power of God, the transformed lives, which is the greatest miracle of the day. The prostitute is no longer one because she has Christ now and the power to understand love. The drunk, the druggie, the God can transform if they yield to His power and they will then worship Him and say, I can do all things through Christ. Man cannot deny the transformed life. You're looking at one. I'm still a work in progress, but I'm not what I used to be. And so the thou mightest still the enemy. The thought is, you have nothing to say, enemy. What are you going to say to that? You're in Matthew, go over a couple pages, chapter 24, 22, excuse me, and verse 41. the enemy, as we're going to see here, and this is one of the last things that Jesus really opens up to the people about. The enemy uh, is soft, quieted, because of the work. Just like creation stops the mouths of God's enemies. Matthew 22, 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, it is neat that Jesus asked questions too, because they're always coming to him and saying, who do you say you are? You know, by what authority are you doing this? You, you think you're allowed to do this on the Sabbath day? They're always attacking Jesus. Well, Jesus now has a question for them. Ooh. And he's going to go again to the Bible. Jesus asked them, verse 42, saying, what think ye of Christ or Messiah? Obviously, they didn't think he was Messiah. So he's saying to them who were lost, religious lost, Messiah. The question is, whose son is he? Remember what we learned back in the previous chapter, 21? Thou son of David. Right? They knew. Whose son is he? Well, they, the religious lost, they said unto him, the son of David. By the way, the answer is, eh, right, yay, you got an A on that one. So he comes up with some more. Verse 23. He says to them, how then does David in spirit, in other words, under inspiration, this is from God, call him Lord, saying, again, he's quoting the Old Testament song, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Verse 45. If David then called him Lord, how is he his son? Um, hmm. So it's like this I've got two sons, here to see them. And through our lives, you know, Dad is, they call me Pops now, or, so I'm Pops. So it's like, hey, Pops, you know, and they are still going to be looking at me as the patriarch, and so you're going to be looking at me as the older guy, you know, that, you know, just to whoop them and 
straighten them up and all those fun things, you know, and they would see me. And for me to say to them, you are now boss, you are my Lord, you tell me what to do, goes against nature. The Father is over the Son by nature. And He is saying, how then can David, being the Father, because the Messiah is the Son of David, how can David, the Father, call him Lord, Master? You're over top of me. How can? How can this commission do? You're going to now be over the earth. The enemies are going to be at your footstool. You're going to be dominating the whole world. This the Son must he be angry with the all that the Son do. This doesn't make any sense. And then also in the text, how can he say, Thy throne, O God. God, the Father says to the Son, God, you are God. How can that be? You don't believe Jesus is God, then none of these texts make a big sense. But we understand the deity of Jesus Christ, that David needed the Messiah to be his Savior. So therefore, he says, he is my Lord. My son is my Lord. Even Mary quoted that very same concept that he, Jesus, the son, is her Savior. Yeah. Verse 46. Remember, talking about and stopping them. The enemy's mouths are going to be stopped. They're going to steal the enemy and the avenger. Verse 46. And no man was able to answer him a word. Neither does any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. Deal. What are you going to say to that? Here's the scripture. Here's what verses you know and you believed in and you have taught in the synagogues. But you didn't get the understanding and the definition. By the way, everything I just showed you, anybody that opposes Jesus as the not only Messiah, but also being God come in the flesh, taken to these texts, both barrels are loaded. If Jesus is just another man, how can just another man dying on the cross save the world from their sin? Impossible. He isn't one that just died on a cross. He is God who gave his life. No man takes it from me. I give it. I lay it down. The shepherd for his sheep. I lay it down so that my life will be given so that we the sheep can have eternal life. What a plan of God, folks. So back to our text now. Give you some real quick thoughts on creation now. Verse 3. When I consider the heavens the work of my fingers, the moon and stars which thou hast ordained. So the fingers of God represent his skill as an artist paints a picture. This creation that he has made and designed with the sun goes here, the earth goes here, and has to be this far apart so that they can live on the earth. Because too far away, freeze. Too close, you burn up. Has to be just right. Everything has to be just right. Everything has to be just right. Plus, exists. All of that is the uh, right. 
They got you the map. Okay? He knew everything. What he was doing was a precise design for man to be able to live on this earth. So this creation reflects God's power speaking into existence. It reflects on God's wisdom, His design, His functionality, everything that God is is seen in His creation. This creation reflects on the glory of God. This, what we see, is God's reflection of His order. That everything is here for a purpose and design. It is a reflection of God's moral character and holiness. That's why man could not get away with sin. He, he hurt the creation of God because God is holy and cannot just wink at sin. This is a reflection in God's creation that His way is past finding out. There are things in the depth of the sea that man can't get to. There's things at the highest parts of the universe that man will never be able to see. And what's interesting yet, being made lower than the angels, the angels transport from point A, heaven, down to point B, earth. Like that. That's why we're made lower than that. We don't have those kind of powers. We're made under that, and yet we have dominion over. So his ways are past finding out. The heavens declare that God is eternal, unsearchable. You can't find Him out. It's his ways are above our ways, and His thoughts are above our thoughts. This is the heavens are above the earth. That's what God is trying to show you, and I am creation. And then the question, what's man? What is man? Will all this creation, what God has made and designed, why would you remember man? Why would you even think of us? What are we? We're just a dog. We're just a speck. We're not much. When you look at all of the universe that God has created, what, why us? Because you and I are the only thing in this entire universe on every planet, everything out there that we can't even see, you are the most important thing that God ever created. You. You are God's design. You are made in His image, in His likeness. And He wants a relationship with you and I. You and I. And the question is that, why did you visit us? I love what, and this, these are not all my thoughts, these are others' thoughts. Thou visitest him. The thought is that you paid attention to us, that you cared for us. You didn't pass us by as all the religious leaders took their way around the man that was taken and injured. The good Samaritan, who is the picture of Jesus Christ, came to the aid. He didn't pass by him. And that's what God did for every human being. He didn't pass by us. He died and gave us life so that we can have eternal life. Why would man receive these marks of favor and honor? Why would he put us over top of these things in his creation? Why is it that God never seems to forget us? As God never forgot Israel. 
And as Jesus wept over Jerusalem, he says, How often was I, as a tent, gathered his kids together, come and try to gather it back to me? Why? Why are you just destroy Get rid of them and start all over again. Because of God's care. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man thou visitest him? God was constantly coming to him with some new proof of his favor. God constantly went to Israel and said, Let me bring you back. I've given up one. Moses on the Mount, this is a segue to next week. You know, Moses up on the Mount, and Israel down below is like, Okay, Aaron, make us a God. That's going to be the one that we can look at and say, This is who brought us up out of the land of Egypt. We need something to see. We need a visual. And begin to worship the creation rather than the creator. And this is the nature that we see all around us. We have to understand God, Creator, versus idolatry. Because, ladies and gentlemen, we are a land of idolatry. It is all around in the religious systems, in the spiritisms, in the schools, it is all around the materialism, the, the God of America. After we're done with this, we're going to get in that subject where you get into understanding as Christians' authority. That'd be fun. And then after we're done with authority, we're going to get into Lord Will in the book of Ecclesiastes. And we're going to start seeing the American dream in Ecclesiastes. So if you want to look ahead, you can read Ecclesiastes sometimes. We're going to be heading there a little later on uh, this year. Destinies for messages, you know, we want to be seasonal and understand that. But, folks, we have to have a biblical worldview. If you think that evolution and creation can blend, you don't know the Bible. And you're not understanding the God of the Bible and his power and might and all that he's designed. Repent and turn to him. Come back to him. My devotion is a shape. That's what God was saying. Back to me. Just believe what I'm saying. And he says, I'm going to receive you. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to do all those things that I promised. Come back to the, to the foundations. God, this, this, the folks that are so patient with me today, thank you so much for them. Bless them. And I pray that there's been just a little something that's been a help and encouragement. Maybe it's that all of us today just needed to fall back in love with you, our Creator and our God. To, to, to think, Lord, that you thought about us. You remembered us. Why? We have the question, why would you think of us as sinners? And yet you love us. And we have that question, but why? We don't understand it. We don't understand John 3.16. We don't understand Romans 5, but you commended or proved your love to us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I do not understand that. God, I thank you for it. And may we all thank you for that salvation. We are at times overwhelmed with forgiveness. I stand in our position in Christ. 
So Lord, all that we can do is to thank you for remembering us, thinking on us. Father, I pray that if there's any lost listening to this, that they're drawn to you. They will indeed be gloriously saved this day. Has thy nice clothes, my friend. This best girl, I need change. I need to go my way, and I need Christ. I have these ideas, but I'm really understanding what it's all about now. And I need Christ. I need to be saved. Just call on right now. To say something like this to God, to God, to say, Dear God, I do know in your sight I'm a sinner, and I can't heal my sin. I can't take it away. But you sent your Son because you considered me, you loved me, and you died on the cross for me. I believe you did that. He rose again three days later for me. I believe the gospel good news. I want to save me. Give me that eternal life. The one day. I will be with you in heaven. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me eternal life right now. Help me now, Lord, from this day forward to serve you all the days of my life. Help me to love you. Help me, Lord, to put you first. In Jesus' name, if you pray that, we're really thankful for you. And uh, let us know after the service if you made that decision. You're listening online. You've made that decision. Email me. Get a hold of me. That way we can be praying for you and helping you to grow. That's what this is all about. Let's stay together.